Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it'll bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage is coming from Nehemiah chapters 10, 11, and 12. And we're finishing up the book of Nehemiah. We've got a think just chapter 13 left uh, before we go into the book of Esther and uh, Nehemiah is a really it's been a really special story Uh, and picking up picking up from today is uh, essentially the conclusion of the main theme throughout the book of Nehemiah which is the rebuilding of the wall uh, in Jerusalem it's really the the rebuilding of Jerusalem itself and God's people and the wall and the construction is really symbolic of how they're re- they're coming together and they're building something together and they're working together and they're reestablishing something God had already done and um, they're reestablishing their hearts to him. You very rarely ever see an establishment of heart towards God or a reestablishment of heart towards God without there also being simultaneously a working of the hands or a working of the feet. Um, We know in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about all of these great men and women who by faith did, by faith did. And so that's what we find in Nehemiah as well is you know, they don't just all get together and have a big worship service and praise God and turn their hearts back towards Him and go back to their stuff, go back to their sin, go back to their way of living as it was before. No, they their hearts are torn and broken at, at their disobedience and at their father's and their father's disobedience. And so often, especially in the Old Testament, we read of tearing off clothes and mourning and grief for... Um, at the revelation of what the expectation was for them and how they've failed to meet it and how they haven't upheld the law. And so that's what took place earlier in Nehemiah and going back into Ezra um, is is just this mourning, this grieving of, oh, how wicked we've been. And then they come together and they try to make right what had been wrong. And they turn to the Lord and they wholeheartedly obey Him. And they, they not just with their mouths, but with their feet, and with their hands, and with their arms. And we should have that desire as well. As Lord, here I am. Put me in motion. God, show me what to do, where to go, what to say. And that's what, that's what that was happening in Nehemiah. So they're rebuilding of this wall. And they're reestablishing themselves to the covenant. And, you know, we're starting off in chapter 10. Um... And it goes through it. It names all the people who sealed the covenant. Um, 
a ton of a ton of names that are <laughs> incredibly difficult to pronounce. Uh, even the greatest of scholar would be taking a a swing at all of them, as these are translated from Hebrew, and by the time they get to us, it's probably not much easier to pronounce them in English than it is in Hebrew. But you just you just see through the vast number of people that sealed this covenant. We see what the 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 heart of the people was one and they were devoted together to a cause and what God wants to move you can fear not that you'll be alone in it because he will stir up the hearts of the people nearest to you and people even from afar and even people who had previously been against you and you will be of one heart and one mind to, to establish the work that the Lord wants done and so that's that's happening here all these people seal this covenant and um, and so then it talks about what are what does the covenant entail? It's kind of what we're getting into in chapter ten. And basically, it's just returning back to um, obeying the the word of the Lord, the word that Moses had given the people of Israel. Um, one of the, and also some chapter ten reveals some detailed specifications um, that were correlated to times where they had previously failed. Okay, so it's like basically stating the weaknesses that once ensnared us will not again um so one of the things that it mentions in verse 30 is we will not give our daughters to the peoples of the land or take their daughters for our sons and so that's something that they've struggled with time and time again and that's like you know we almost in modern day times you know you would almost associate that as a racism or something like that but it, but it, it wasn't of that nature at all it had nothing to do with the look of people what it was is that the people of other nations worshiped false gods and when your son looked over at this other this other man's daughter and they or they encountered each other and they're from other nations the heart may have feelings or even they may find this other person attractive just simply due to the nature of maybe how different they look than their own people. It creates a curiosity and maybe even a passion. And of course, the heart's passion and desire and curiosity is not what is to lead us. And so they kept being led by these feelings and led astray to these people. And it seemed almost harmless because it was you know, love and it was, you know, fathers and mothers were wanting to agree to it because it was what would please their children. But then ultimately it it would it would once you give your heart to someone, give your heart to something, um, you're 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 putting yourself in a very vulnerable place because your heart is supposed to be to the Lord. And you're yoking. Marriage yokes you onto another person. That means it binds you to them, and if they're if you're bound to someone who's wholeheartedly pursuing false gods, or even wholeheartedly pursuing a different idea of success than you, then you're gonna find it very difficult to pursue the Lord your God. And you see that in modern day times as well. I mean, this is actually really good biblical wisdom: is that we need to train up our children to not even entertain the idea of dating or marrying anyone who does not wholeheartedly love the Lord their God. They're, we don't need to do any, what we call missionary dating, don't even consider. This is what they were doing too, guys. 
don't think for one second that they that they didn't justify this in their own minds. Oh, it's fine. I know that they're Babylonian. I know they're Egyptian. I know they worship this god and that god, but they're going to worship my god, and and it and it just it, it doesn't work out that way. Um, and so, um, actually, for as long as I've done ministry, I don't know any success stories ever of a person dating another person, becoming betrothed, or and then married. And at any point in there, there being any effective evangelism, it doesn't exist in that realm. Does that make sense? It does not exist in that place. When it comes to who you're going to tether yourself to, it needs to be someone that is running towards the Lord your God and running towards them really at a pace equal to or greater than yours so that this sharpens you. It doesn't dull you. And that is something they put in this covenant. They said, we are not going to do that anymore. It has ruined our land too many times. So we are going to marry and and keep our our families within um, Israel because we know the Lord our God. And so this isn't a racism thing. This isn't anything like that. This This is simply about keeping our hearts away from anything that might pull our hearts away from the Lord our God. And um, and then it goes on and it continues with the same thing where it says we're going to obligate ourselves to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all of the fruit of every tree year by year to the house of the Lord. They're saying we're not going to hold anything back from you. We're going to tithe. We're going to give the best of our of our produce. We're going to give the best of our money. You know, a lot of times people like to argue if it's still biblical to tithe. And um, if if in the new in the new covenant, if that disappeared and and people want to make their case on one side, some people want to make their case on the other side. Um, and I won't make a case today. I don't have the time. I just want to state that when a heart is radically towards God, it, it wants to give. It wants to give the best. It wants to give all. It wants to give the first fruits. Um, you know, it, it it didn't say that they were obligated. It says that they obligated themselves. <laughs> so it wasn't out of obligation. Of course, we know later on in Scripture it says, "Don't give out of obligation. Give uh, don't." By, that means by the obligation of other people. Don't come to church and put the money in the in the basket because you feel like it's what everyone else expects of you. It, when there's a real heart change, it's what you expect of you. God's given me too much to hold it all back for myself. And I and they knew also that in previous times when they've held everything back for themselves, it's hardened their heart. And made them selfish. And so they say, we're not going to do that. We recognize that everything has come from you, Lord. And so we're going to give you back the portion of it that belongs to you. because Not only because you deserve it. Because it keeps our hearts postured towards you. And it doesn't accidentally prioritize our stuff over our God. And so, you know, all of this is about protecting of their heart from, from the many of times that They've, fall, they've fallen in the past. Okay. And so um, it goes on and, you know, it appoint, they appoint, I love how they appoint singers and they appoint people to give thanks and they give praise. You can just see the heart of the people being towards keeping themselves free from sin, even accidental sin, um, keeping their hearts continued in a place of giving. They're going to go, it says they're going to go back to celebrating all of the festivals and the feast. They're going to continue to, what, and what all that stuff does was it would keep the Lord in the, in the forefront of their mind 
So they're like, we're going back to church. We're going for this in our day it was like, we're going every Sunday. We're going to take of communion every week. We're going to go up to the Wednesday night service. We're going to meet on Thursdays. We're going to, it was all these things that, that had been appointed to Israel so that they would not forget the Lord, their God. And so they said, we're not going to do, we're going to go back to doing all the things that it takes to keep him on the forefront of our mind, lest we forget him as we have many times before. And so, and there's such an emphasis on praise. Uh, even people were selected to be singers. People were selected to be musicians. And, and the details of that is actually just as um, you can see that it's just as significant as appointing who was going to build the temple was who's going to praise God inside the temple. Um, and and that, that just shows how dedicated they were to Someone needs to be singing at all times, not because someone, not, not if someone just gets a song in their heart one day, but no, you, you're going to be the one who sings praises from this time to this time. And you're going to be the one that sings praises from this time to this time. You're going to lead us in that praise. You're, you are going to be personally responsible for giving thanks to the Lord from this time to this time. And, um, so they were appointing these leaders that would lead them in praise. That's going to be your job. Lest we forget to praise for ourselves, then you are going to lead us there. You know, that's you see that office even in the church today in worship leaders and pastors is that's their that's what they're commissioned to is hey, you are going to praise God no matter what. Everybody else may come and they may not be ready to praise, but you're going to come and you're just going to praise and you're going to lead us there. You know, and that's why good worship leaders don't just sing songs. They are trying to commission the people to worship God because that's their real title. Um, and so, because God's worthy of it at all times. And we, His people, were made to worship Him at all times. And so when people have a radical heart change to come back to the Lord, as we're kind of concluding this passage for today, what we see is they have a desire to turn away from their sin. They have a desire to turn away from anything that could turn their hearts from God. They have a desire to give their best and their first to God. And they have a desire to worship God and to praise God. And so, um, you know, we see that in the life of the Israelites in the book of Nehemiah. And I believe and I pray that we see that in our churches today.